Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Gigabit Nation, broadband talk radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank everyone in the audience for taking time to be with us today. Our mission, as always, is to provide information to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get faster, better broadband everywhere it needs to be in America. Uh, when we think of Delaware, we, we might assume that you know here's one place in the U.S. that probably doesn't have any challenges uh, with getting good broadband to its constituents. I mean, it's in the Northeast Corridor. Uh, it's tucked in among various large population centers, Baltimore, D.C., Philadelphia, and so forth. But Delaware indeed has had to work hard to get to its spot ranked as uh, the state in the U.S. with the highest Internet connection speed. Um, they have rural and other areas uh, where there's persistent resistance to broadband adoption efforts. Um, the fastest infrastructure that's in the state doesn't touch every every community, every constituent. So, you know, the question sort of is, well, then how do they manage to do so well, you know, given the challenges and so forth that they have? And that's what really what we're going to talk about today. So joining us here on the show is uh, James Sills who is the Secretary of Delaware's Department of Technology and Information. James, welcome to the show. Thank you, Craig. It's great to be here. Yes, indeed, indeed. I, I invited James to the show uh, after reading uh, several articles about the job he's doing in Delaware and the successes and obviously the challenges that uh, that are happening in, uh, in this state or with the state's broadband efforts. So, uh, James, you became uh, the secretary in, in 09, right? You were part of the new uh, administration that came in? That's correct. Uh, I've been in this role since uh, January of 2009. I'm a member of the governor's cabinet, and I actually head our central IT organization for the state. Um, we touch every single branch of government for the state of Delaware, including our K-12 network. So our powers and who we touch are pretty broad. So we're actively involved with all 16 executive branch departments, the legislative branch, the judiciary, plus uh, our K-12, which includes okay. about uh, 235 schools and 19 school districts. Okay. So it's a pretty significant responsibility, and, and I understand, you know, in most of these cases, when you have a new administration coming in, and you know, and, you, and they put the cabinet in place, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of work to be done, and generally, it all has to be done about the same time, <laughs> which is immediately. And uh, and I assume that that was a lot of what you had to, to face as well. Yeah, we were when I came on board, uh our administration faced a almost an eight hundred million dollar deficit. And wow. so right out of the gate they were looking for ways that the state could be more efficient and leverage technology to even drive uh you know cost savings and efficiency across all the different you know agencies. So uh I like the role, it's very diverse. And I get to touch a lot of different things on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So now, this was also the same time that the broadband stimulus uh, started. And I know that you, you had your hands full. You wanted to revamp a lot of the, uh, I think, the IT infrastructure is what I read. And, um, uh, well, the IT infrastructure, I mean, as it pertained to, to the state government, what was the 
the the state's take on the the stimulus? I mean, had had you know coming in, had people thought a lot about you know broadband, broadband in the various communities, uh, or did the the stimulus coming into play you know kind of catch people's attention as maybe a path to address some of that, uh, some of the challenges that the state faced? Yeah, I would say it was the latter. Um, Delaware does have very good infrastructure. Uh, we are middle mile rich. Uh, so when the opportunity came up with the uh, NTIA funding and our, you know, vice president being from Delaware, we wanted to make sure uh, yeah. that our state took took advantage of the uh, the grant opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, we were primarily focused on creating a website that would contain all the uh, broadband mapping information and also the speed test. Um, since we were kind of broadband, middle mile rich, a lot of the infrastructure funding that was available, we really didn't qualify for it because we were just, we had so much, I don't want to say abundance of broadband, but we had so much in our state that we were not able to go against some of the other states that were larger that had uh, the need to build out more infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So most of our monies that we received was really for bro- uh, broadband awareness, the website, and um, you know doing all the mapping. So that that was more our focus versus going after uh, infrastructure funding. Mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity, had the middle mile infrastructure that was in place. Had that been part of a, a, a planned effort that that left you that enabled you to inherit a pretty strong infrastructure? Yeah, and just you know, let me just tell you this: uh, we are the state of Delaware is Verizon's largest customer, mm-hmm. and so we had a lot of infrastructure that had been put in place over the last five or six years, and more specifically. Um, all of our schools, uh, there had been a, uh, a huge focus on making sure that every single school in Delaware, and again, we're a small state, had the right broadband access. And so every school in Delaware, at least as a minimum of a 10 meg uh, TLS circuit. Um, so, you know, there is the need to um, make sure that we have broadband for our schools, for some of our economic development areas like, uh, you know, Wilmington, Delaware, which is the largest city, and then Newark, Delaware, where the University of Delaware is located in Dover. And so we are focused on making sure that we have, you know, all the right components here. Uh, So it is a high priority of our governor, and, you know, we are, you know, trying to make sure that I know we've been touted in CNN and on other, you know, articles. So we want to make sure we keep that, uh, those resources at our fingertips and continue to communicate to the broader community about why that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, so in essence, the, the challenge, not the challenge, but the, the charter was to maximize and expand on the infrastructure that was in place uh, with a strong adoption program. Yes. Okay. So how did you guys set about okay. doing that? Great question. Um, We really focused on uh, outreach. You know, it's our view, and uh, it was also NTIA's view, that leaders can actually drive change. And so we really connected with our University of Delaware. Um, They had a public administration institute, 
and we connected with state and local leaders and business leaders and nonprofits to really make them aware of this issue in terms of, uh, you know, the importance of broadband. And so, you know, we have a, a PowerPoint presentation and a leadership guide that we developed with some of the funding that gets leaders to focus on when they're involved with various community-based organizations to ask the question when you're, when you're on a board of directors, what type of access do we have in this community-based or community anchor institution? What kind of PCs do we have? What's the speed? What do people utilize uh, when they come into our nonprofit or our community-based uh, organization? What do they use broadband for? And just to ask those kinds of questions. And so when they get answers like, I don't know, or the speed is very slow, or I don't know what they're using it for, then they can kind of drill down and ask additional questions and, and, and figure out what they need to do in that specific organization to kind of drive broadband to the highest level that it possibly could be. Okay, so a lot of, um, how can I describe this? A lot of recruiting of leaders, in essence. It's a uh, an exercise, I think, that I'm starting to see in a number of places where you, you, you figure out who the leaders are and you bring them all together and you somehow get them on the same page and figure out how to move them forward in tandem. Exactly. About right. Okay. Exactly. So what we did was we we um, we focused on Delaware is a small state. I'm not going to say that again, but we focused on all the major business leaders. You know, so leaders of our utility companies, uh, leaders of Verizon, leaders of our banks, leaders of some of our major uh, pharmaceutical companies and chemical companies. And we act, I actually went in and presented to about 50 of the top leaders and uh, CEO. COO types in our state. Mm -hmm. So then I went out and I actually met with, you know, a number of our um, local municipality, county uh, executive leaders to tell them about, you know, why this issue is important. And then we have a House Telecommunications Committee. So I met with them to tell them how this was an important issue. And then what's interesting about Delaware, and you kind of alluded to this in your opening remarks, in the northern portion of the state, we are just unbelievably broadband rich. But in some of our rural areas, at the bottom of the state, we have good broad we have very good broadband coverage, but we have pockets where we have really poor access, and it's because of geography mm -hmm. and the need to build out additional infrastructure. So, what I would do is I would show those leaders. I would show those leaders our broadband maps, and it was kind of eye-opening for them to see the different areas of Delaware that were, were rich with broadband and the other areas that really needed more access. Mm -hmm. what, um, what do you attribute to the disparity? I mean, because I, I think the, the – oh, I don't know. I, uh, I would think the people would assume that – if you're that small, I mean, I'm from Philadelphia, so clearly, you know, I know that you can get across Delaware fairly quickly, that yeah, yeah. it's hard for people, I think, to even comprehend that there would be places that haven't been touched yet. Well, you know, we have, a lot of people don't know that the lower portion of Del Delaware only has three counties, but the lowest portion of Delaware is Sussex County, and it's very agricultural intense. So there's a lot of 
open farmland. There's a lot of um, poultry farming that goes on. Um, and then we're, that's where our beach area is located, Rehoboth Beach, Dewey Beach. I don't know if you're familiar with our, our beach area. So there's a lot of water and a lot of open space. So it's not as dense. It's not, there are certain areas that are not that densely populated. Mm-hmm. But there are a number of agricultural um, organizations that need broadband for better farming, for better, you know, uh, all the stuff they do in the uh, in the field with their chicken poultry plants and also in some of the agricultural their ag- agricultural needs. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the areas that we're trying to concentrate on. Mm-hmm. So what's the what's the battle plan? I mean, you know, sort of the high level view. Yeah, the high level view would be to expand, continue to broad to expand broadband in our schools. We at least want all of our high schools to have a 100-meg circuit up to a gig circuit. Uh-huh. Uh, we definitely want to um, put in place kind of a high-speed fiber ring, similar to what was, what's was what been done in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and some of our urban areas. Uh, we want to we improve fiber down in lower Delaware, the area I was just talking about. And we also want to improve wi- our wireless capabilities down in uh, Sussex County, also. Mm-hmm. So at a high level, those would be kind of our four goals that we, you know, we're focused on. Mm-hmm. Now, in um, in Chattanooga's case, they uh, the the public utility there, EPB, runs that network, and they've been a big driver, and they've had to fend off all manners of of grief and aggravation. But they still, in fact, they, there was an item out today. Uh, where they uh, their their uh, internet operation is responsible for I guess they have a, a, a in lieu of taxes kind of program, which in EPB's case they've contributed back about six million to the to the city, uh, six hundred and forty thousand of that going specifically to schools from revenues generated by the uh, the public utilities network. In Delaware's case. Would it take um, the state or the county to be the driver if to, if you expect to get it up to a gig and have it surround the state? Yeah, it would really be the um, the state would have to drive this. Okay. Um, we let me but let me be clear. We do not have the funding presently to drive it, but we know there are pockets of areas within, you know, the Wilmington community where University of Delaware is located and a few other areas that it kind of makes sense for us to try to drive um, more businesses to that area to try to help either subsidize um, broadband access or fiber or even potentially pay for some of the lease, lease, actually lease some of the fiber that may be in the ground in that specific area to get it up to as fast as Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Um, our governor sent me uh, an article back at, um, I believe it was from the New York Times back in uh, November of last year. They had an article about Chattanooga, and he says, I want to do this, but it's it's very expensive, and you know we can't afford to really invest in the build-out. So if there was a way to kind of leverage fiber that was already in the ground and maybe lease it, and partner with someone else, you know, that that's kind of our strategy. Mm-hmm. How's, and how's that gone so far? 
Well, um, you know, this is something we just talked about really over the last uh, three months or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said earlier, we do the state at the moment does not have that funding, but we have been uh, talking with some of the larger carriers slash providers to at least make them aware that we want to try to put more fiber in these economic development hubs, you know, where most of our economic development activity is actually occurred, that actually mm-hmm. occurs. Uh, so we've at least we've at least pitched it to Verizon. Mm-hmm. And AT&T. I don't know if I should use their names on the on the show, but we've pitched at some of the major ones. You know, we know that you have capital investment dollars, so here's here's some specific areas that we think you know you should be uh, investing in. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I just lost my thought there for a second. Um, is Delaware still the place where the most number of businesses incorporate? I'm just just curious, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, still, is it still number one? <laughs> is it possible that as you know, as part of that sort of private sector strategy, to get some of those businesses to you know buy services, lease services, uh, invest in infrastructure? I mean, that's a that's a strategy that's starting to pick up some momentum in a number of the more rural areas where they say, okay, look, you know, you. Joe Farmer or you, you know, mom and pop business owner that, you know, has this vested interest in the economic development of the community, why don't you guys, you know, invest in a, you know, nonprofit that will build and 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 operate this particular network? Um do do strategies like that, do you think they might make sense at the state level or in a state like Delaware? I think they do. Um you know, a part of our pitch to those business leaders is to get them to consider providing um, what I call subsidized access to their employees and or community groups or community-based organizations. Mm-hmm. So most business leaders understand, you know, the importance of uh, being involved with the community. And so I do see more and more of that happening where they would actually subsidize either their employees or potentially a nonprofit to make sure it has the right broadband access. Mm-hmm. You know, your broader question of all the companies that um, incorporate in Delaware, about 90% of them are not located here. Right, right. So, well, you know, we'd have not. to really focus on the ones that are really located here so they could see the benefit of those community-based organizations and their employees Getting or receiving that subsidy, right, right, for access. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no worries. Um, now, in the um, actually, let's let's back up a little bit. So, when you first got there, what was the state of broadband maps or mapping? Was that being done at all? No, it was not being done at all. Okay. So the stimulus. No, I'll, I'll, let me let me let me back up. Let me interrupt you. Um, we had, as a state, high-level maps that outlined um, fiber in the state. But in terms of looking at, you know, cable, DSL, broadband, wireless, it really took the NTIA funding to get that collection of uh, that information from all the various carriers, and then you know have it feed to a map. So. You know that it really. You know we had some high-level maps, but with the funding, we were able to get that holistic view. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And then um, just for those folks who may be struggling with, oh, I don't know, mapping issues and trying to get that all um, sorted out, how did you drive the mapping process? Um, you know, we we um, we really followed the, the kind of the NTIA model. We uh, we received uh, we initiated rather NDAs with all the carriers. Uh, we followed back up with the major ones that were located here, where I got on a conference call with them to let them know we really needed their participation. And they were all scared that we were going to share that information with their competitors, and I had to really reassure them that we were not. And then we set up some mechanisms that would allow them to easily update the data on a – I think we do it twice a year, April and September. Don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. But I know it's twice a year. And, you know, we said we would share with them – kind of the holistic view so they could see it also. So they could always go out to the site if they wanted to sit down with me or my team and, and, and kind of talk about it, you know, we would be happy to do it. So that's how we were able to kind of to drive it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you, um, you know, and, and, that, and some of that resistance part were, were folks, I guess everybody's worried about their competitive advantage, right? They sort of, you know, if, if their information is up there, competitors can see it and so forth. Um, but how do you balance the desire for the telco companies to protect their uh, their interests and, and doing that by guarding data versus the fact that the more data you have available, the better the decisions are that are going to be made by uh, both the state and and local governments, and anybody else is involved with broadband, for that matter. Uh, again, you know, Delaware. I won't, I won't repeat this again, but it's so small. You know, I can pick up the phone and I can call the president of Verizon. Mm-hmm. I can call the regional president for AT and T. I can call Comcast. So it's a little easier because I really know these people and I can pick up the phone and they can have comfort that we're using this information for, you know, um, you know, a public, you know, uh, for the public to utilize it for us to make better decisions and for us to be aware of where the opportunities are. So they can kind of get a comfort level that we're not going to use it against them or we're not going to share it with their competitors. Mm-hmm. Now, do in in the state of Delaware, do you have a setup where, uh, for example, in some in some areas of the country, they want to try to get the situation such that if in a census block or in a zip code area, or whatever, if there's one person there that has you know five megs or a meg or whatever the 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 the, uh, the foundation speed is. Uh, that that whole area is considered covered. Do you guys run into much of that kind of an issue, or is, do, you, do you have a more, I don't know, uh, detailed accounting for where coverage is or isn't? Well, let me answer your question this way. Um, with, and I'm just going to lump everything together, uh, mm-hmm. We, including 4G. Uh, we have about 98% coverage in our state mm-hmm. when you include 3G and 4G. Um, so it's 
it's not that difficult to you know make people kind of aware of uh, what we're trying to do and what the issue is. I don't, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but well, I mean, we're getting. I mean, you know, basically, I guess it's an issue of um, <clears throat> there were two. There were two. There are considered to be two big challenges to. Uh, producing good maps. One is if you have an area where you have a policy in place that says um, uh, if, if if an area has call it a, call it a zip code area or a census block, if, okay. if one person okay. in that community has high speed broadband, then that whole census block is considered covered, even though it might have a hundred other homes in there and they may not have. Good coverage. I mean, this is a debate that's going on in Georgia right now because there's one block of folk trying to define an area as being covered as well. You know, if you got that one census block, then that's that whole area is now covered, which you know seems a little silly. But I know that that has existed, okay. you know, in places. Yeah, let me answer your question. I actually had this question uh, about a week or so ago from someone down in our lower county, mm -hmm. uh, right across the street was a development that actually had, you know, pretty good broadband because they had about 140 homes. And this guy lived right directly across the street from it, but his house sat way back off of the road. It was in a kind of a, a rural area. And so on the map, it looks like he has coverage. But when we did a deeper dive, uh, we could see that really the only option for him is to use satellite technology. Mm -hmm. Or uh, Verizon's coming out with a product called called Home Fusion. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar. With. I've heard. So of that's what we that's what we recommended for him. But you're right. On the map, it looked like he had the coverage. And so we, you know, when he said, you know, I don't have coverage, and we did a lot. I had my staff do some analysis. Like, no, he has coverage. He's you know he has access to Comcast. Uh, but when we did a little deeper dive. Uh, then we saw that he really didn't have it. So all of our broadband mapping is really based on census. I can't remember if it's census track or census block. I, I think it's census track. <laughs> I, always, I always get those mixed up, but I know it's based on that. But sometimes you have to really do a, a deeper dive. And what, what we did was we called all the major carriers in that area, gave him gave them his address, and that's how we were able to find out that he really didn't have the access. So at first we didn't believe him because the map said he had coverage. Mm -hmm. And then when we went and submitted his address to all the major carriers, then we saw what the issue was. Right, right. Okay. And and that's so a, that is an issue. That right. is an issue. It is is a challenge. Now, one of the things or, or let me tell, ask you your thoughts on this idea of um driving more uh in user participation in the mapping process. For example, in the state of North Carolina, western in western North Carolina, uh, a group there that runs the their network. Theirs is a not they've created a nonprofit that runs their like their physical infrastructure and now their internet services. And they've been very aggressively pushing all of the residents to provide and update the maps. Now I know that with the Oh, who is it? The I think the NTIA maps, there is that capability, right? They ask everybody, well, you know, if you're not getting coverage to add it to the map, and there's been some, you know, mixed reactions to that. So <clears throat> what this group in North Carolina decided to do 
was in essence have a full-on campaign driving this citizen participation in the mapping process. Do you think that's a good idea for other states? Do you think that you know it, it might work better in larger states versus smaller states or whatever? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that kind of a campaign? Yeah, yeah that's a great question. Um, I'll just give you an example of something we did recently about uh, 90 days ago. We partnered with the University of Delaware, and what we did is we had we partnered with um, the University of Delaware for them to go out and conduct that survey with the agricultural community, but also residents in that specific geographic area to document the upload and download speeds and also test it on the uh, our speed test map, our speed test app. Mm -hmm. And so then we were able to compile those results, and I was able to give that to two or three of the major carriers to say, here's the proof that we don't have what we need in that specific area. So to answer your question, I think that is a good idea. I think it works better when there is a perception or that there is speed or access in a given area and you need that those data points to prove to those carriers that there really isn't and there's a greater need than what's being currently provided. I don't know if it works. I think it works better in that situation versus trying to go out to an entire community, you know, like, you know, making this up, like the city of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that makes sense. Um, let's uh, shift gears a little bit here and talk about uh, economic development. Um, you mentioned that uh, when when your administration, well, the administration came in and you were, you know, that you were a part of, that uh, the state uh, faced some economic difficulties. Was broadband seen as a um, as a specific tool, or what was the viewpoint of broadband and economic development at least at the beginning of '09? Um, our governor, Governor uh, Markell, worked in the telecommunications industry, so he's very familiar with broadband and the importance of it to communities, you know, to foster kind of uh, economic development, job creation, and, and uh, you know, technology innovation. So let me just say that first. Uh, we think it is a great differentiator for our state, um, so we worked pretty closely with our uh, economic development team, our economic development department, to make sure they were aware of all the broadband infrastructure that was available here in Delaware. So we were able to um, recruit a number of companies here, and I can't say that was the major driver, but that was one of the drivers uh, for them to relocate, relocate here is because we had very good uh, infrastructure uh, from a middle mile standpoint, but also from a last mile standpoint in specific economic areas. So it is uh, something that we do tout. Um, over the last two years, since we've been number one in coverage and overall connection speeds, uh, according to uh, what is it? Uh, Akamine and also mm -hmm. in CNN and a couple other publications, TechNet. If you were to go out to their website now, the economic development website, they actually have that right on their first page. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Now, did uh, did you know that this was all happening? That you guys were being evaluated and rated on a national basis? Uh, not really, to tell you the truth. 
um, we knew that we had high broadband, you know, coverage and speed, again, because of the function of, you know, our size, our location. You know, we're right on the I-95 corridor. Uh, whenever we build a road in Delaware, we lay down fiber. Um, the number of major companies here, major banks that are here, like Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, and all the major credit card companies are based here. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, you know, it didn't surprise us that we had a lot of infrastructure here. Mm -hmm. DuPont is here. I mean, I could go down a list of all the major companies are here, and they all use high-speed broadband and fiber. Right, all right. So, so definitely, like I know, for example, in Illinois and uh, uh, Iowa is starting to re-examine the, the issue, but basically where the state ranks in its infrastructure is going to, its broadband infrastructure is going to have an impact on their ability to attract new new companies and it Definitely. sounds like you just you know you're you're validating that that's truly a mission they should be on is to is to make that infrastructure better i i i agree i concur <laughs> so um what's uh, what's next in terms of, like, are there milestones for, you know, the network you talked about, you know, you want to have in all the schools and, and uh, the, the high schools and so forth and have a ring similar similar to Chattanooga. What other milestones have you guys set up for yourselves? You know, right now the focus is, you know, this is me speaking, is really on looking at the possibility of expanding, expanding broadband in the schools. We have a number of schools and a number of school districts that are in the process of rolling out one device per child. Mm -hmm. and so the existing infrastructure will not be able to accommodate that new initiative. And so we're, we're kind of just looking at some of the larger school districts and the number of students and the current infrastructure and the current ca capacity. Uh, so that's probably something we're looking at very, very closely right now. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a big push in our state to improve education like most states do, and we don't want Delaware students to be left behind in terms of having uh, broadband uh, going to their schools that are not at the, the speeds that are needed for them to do all the different things that they need to do. Mm -hmm. Now, we have a number of schools that are doing distance learning, uh, learning about different languages from other countries directly. Um, you know, they have a number of different initiatives. I just don't know them all, but I, but they're using more and more of uh, the broadband, especially the older students, you know, mm -hmm. that are in ninth through twelfth grades. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely a need. Right. Uh, okay. Video conferencing, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Now, in um, so do you get into a kind of a almost a chicken and egg situation if you have in other words, you have a group that's saying, okay, our initiative is to bring all these devices in and give them to students. And then, you know, you do an assessment and say, oh, my, you know, our, our broadband infrastructure isn't going to uh, be up for that kind of a challenge. Do you try to build the infrastructure first to get ahead of the challenge, or are you going to have to wait till the challenge is there so that people can justify the investment? How does that balancing act goes on? Because this, I think, happens in other states as well. You know, folks say, well, no one needs this yet. No one needs this yet. Well, then by the time they need it, you almost feel like you're too late. But there are budget realities. 
Yeah, Craig, uh, you know, what's interesting here is we get calls from the school district, and that tells me that there's a need. Mm-hmm. They'll say, we're do, you know, we're doing uh, video conferencing. We also do online testing. We have an online testing tool to assess the achievement of a particular student. So there is a need for all kinds of, for more broadband. And so we kind of base it on, you know, the uh, inquiries from various school districts about what's happening or or they'll say, um, I think I'm maxed out and on my broadband and then we'll put a, we'll put a, uh, you know, a monitor on there and we'll say, no, it's it's maxing out here and here, but you really are okay at the moment. So we, what we normally do is we go back to them with some, you know, technical metrics that shows, you know, they may be peaking at certain times, but there's still enough broadband for them to do what they're currently doing. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, it just depends. I, you know, I hate to say that. It just depends. <laughs> well, that's that's often the case. Um <laughs> So now, what about other aspects of life there? What uh, is there a lot of? Are there a lot of medical schools in Delaware? I seem to remember somewhere, you know, Delaware was in the news uh, for something related to healthcare. And I'm not sure if it was um, from an insurance aspect or just new techno- new medical technologies being developed in Delaware. Yeah, we do not have a medical school here at all. Okay. Um, now, you're from Philadelphia, so all yeah. the medical schools and all that is really they're really in Philadelphia area. Uh-huh. Um, we've we've been pushing a number of different initiatives related to health information exchanges, health benefit exchanges, a new eligibility determination system, so all of that stuff, but it's not really broadband related, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They're more application upgrades and um, you know, new major large-scale kind of uh, projects. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I would think is that would be of value is that if you don't have that medical expertise within the state, that you can use the technology, the broadband technology, to create a bridge to that expertise. You know, I mean, it's not that far from 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 uh you know from all these Pennsylvania you know Philadelphia resources yeah. you know is the idea of maybe having a uh, I'm not even sure what it would look like but some sort of you know gigabit bridge if you will that says you know look we need that expertise here our hospitals could be able to tap into you know all the great minds and medical science and all the rest of it at these various uh you know Pennsylvania colleges or medical facilities and so forth is that the maybe the prelude for some sort of you know gigabit umbrella? Yeah, uh, Craig, we are not there yet. We are, you know, dipping our toe into telemedicine. We do have a few agencies that are leveraging broadband um, for their clients to talk to various kinds of psychologists. Mm-hmm. So we are doing that, in, and I don't want to go any further than that, but uh, mm-hmm. we are doing using broadband for some telemedicine in that specific space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I am, I know, bouncing back and forth just a little bit, but I, there were a couple of things that came to mind about the, uh, the economic development uh, side, because I'm getting ready to do another survey, a national survey on economic development and broadband's impact on that. 
are do you think that the the number of um home based businesses are increasing and the number of telecommuters are increasing and if so do they especially in the former case do they represent um i don't know a measurable impact on the the state's overall economy Craig i would surmise that yes the answer holistically is yes mm-hmm. um we have a number of uh home based businesses here we have a number of um, companies here that uh, are um, pushing telecommuting, specifically Bank of America and a number of the other banks. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, that's kind of the norm now. So it is important that we have you know, good broad, very good broadband infrastructure to make sure that people can do those things from either home-based business or telecommuting. Mm-hmm. So I would say yes. Okay. Because um, I think a couple of years ago, um, so I've been doing this survey every year for the last, I don't know, six years of economic development professionals. In March, I'll expand this to actually include a lot of folks related to broadband, and maybe they are, maybe they aren't part of, like, say, an economic development agency, but to sort of broaden the perspective on the question. But it was a couple of years ago that I started asking the question about home-based businesses uh, because stories were starting to percolate up that, you know, if, if someone starts a business at home, you know, they they don't necessarily pay, say, you know, property taxes. So the city can't, uh, a city can't gauge its success based on, well, our, our revenues have gone up. But at the same time, there was another, you know, set of, I don't know, responses, if you will, that um, it is having a definite impact because those folks who are running home-based businesses might otherwise not be making as much money. They might be unemployed. Uh, is does does the state in general monitor um, or track developments in home-based businesses? You know how many there are, how much it impacts the state or not. Craig, I I don't know to answer okay. your question. No worries. Yeah, I know that they're, you know, they're concerned about it because, you know, every business that's successful, it does increase our tax base or our tax revenue. So I know right. it's something we're focused on. But I think in some places, in fact, we had a caller on the show about, I don't know, six or eight months ago who was kind of frustrated because, you know, he, he and, and his colleagues felt that bringing broadband in was going to be very beneficial but the problem was their local either county commissioners or the city council wouldn't see an increase in property taxes if all of a sudden, you know, there were a bunch of home-based businesses. So they couldn't get all excited about broadband, which then meant that the broadband project was floundering. And I was trying to think, well, you know, I would hope that, you know, in a lot of places right now, they would see, you know, home-based businesses as an economic development engine. Maybe a little harder to track than you know if a brick and mortar business opens up, but yeah. you know you got a thousand people working from home productively, you know that's that's a net plus I would imagine for you know for a community. Sure, sure, sure. So as these things change now, before before the show started, we touched briefly on the fact that you um, you know your background is heavily in the banking uh, industry, and that brought a question to mind, which is. Um, <clears throat> broadband projects, whether we're looking at uh, the public utility 
running the project or a nonprofit that gets created by the community, or maybe there's a public-private partnership. These are really they're, they're business ventures. They're basically starting a network as a service. Now they may be a nonprofit running it, but the you know the mechanics of it all, the financing of it all, there are basic you know business principles here at work. Yet these show, I don't know, little drawing or attraction power for t- typical venture capitalists. Like, you know, if you went into a venture capitalist place and said, you know, can we get some money to start a, a community network or a regional network, they would probably have no, no time. I'm wondering if the banking community, if there is a way to package and present uh, these community-driven projects or these public-private partnerships as a way in that they could get more banking support. Is that possible? Am I totally off base on that or is there I, I'm gonna give you a uh I'm gonna give you my answer, but I'm gonna preface it by saying this is just my opinion. No, no, that's fine. That's all I'm looking for. Okay. The um you know, banks are struggling to attain certain financial goals mm-hmm. and ratios. So I don't see them um, investing those kinds of dollars to build out that kind of infrastructure. So I would say, you know, if there were technology companies, and I'm not going to list any of them Mm -hmm. for your audience, but I would think that would be more in tune with maybe a technology, a major technology company Mm -hmm. would be more amenable to investing in a specific community and providing either that subsidy or that build-out to build that kind of um, cooperative kind of partnership, maybe like uh, the state of Maryland. They have a Maryland broadband co-op. And, you know, I could see maybe some technology firms participating in that with the state, but I just don't see the bankers doing that. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're pretty much going to have to look at Maybe unconventional investors is, might be a yeah. way to categorize them. Exactly. That would be. Um, now, are there uh, are there states are there actions that states can take to help uh, facilitate that? And I ask this question from the perspective of a um, conversation I had about two weeks ago with the uh, one of the top economic development uh, officials in the state of Iowa. You know, so that that she and the governor are meeting and and trying to lay out uh, economic development strategy and figuring out how broadband can be incorporated into that. Uh, in the state of Minnesota, they are, <clears throat> I would say, in the middle of a, you know, a governor slash state driven initiative to raise the um, the the ranking of you know where they are in broadband from wherever it is up to number 15 or, or or some benchmark like that. But in both of those cases, it's one where one state is is contemplating what should its action be and another case where the state has aggressively, you know, driven by the governor, taken charge of that initiative and moving it forward. What's the what do you see as a state's role in um in in bringing this kind of technology and more importantly, bringing it in such a way that it spurs economic development. You know, I, I, my view is it's really the state's um, role to encourage investment, 
to build out the right infrastructure in specific areas of your state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes in certain states, and I've lived in a number of different states, sometimes county governments are very strong because they have the population base and the political willpower to drive that kind of economic development and infrastructure build out. So it really just depends on the state and how you know how many counties it has, what counties are the strongest, where the majority of the economic development is occurring in that state. Mm-hmm. In Delaware, I think it makes sense for the state to drive it a little more because we only have three counties. Mm-hmm. And we have good coverage in our largest county. We're almost at like 99%. So I think, you know, the governor and his administration should be focused on getting the other areas of the state up to that 99% coverage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's why it makes sense to kind of do it for Delaware at at a state level. Right, right. And so it's it's manageable, and you know you can touch. Well, in in your case, you can reach out and literally touch a lot of the stakeholders and so forth, right? Fairly easily. Exactly. Right. Huh. I guess probably one of the one of the bigger challenges when we look at that is probably like the state of Alaska, uh, where I met uh, their economic development, uh, you know, person for the state. You know, and there's just there's so many miles there. It's like I guess it's sort of the um, Oh, the the truly opposites. You know, if you look at Delaware on on one hand and and Alaska on the other, what um, if you were to give I don't know tips or pointers to colleagues on um, you know getting a good handle on broadband and getting stakeholders to work together? Because getting stakeholders to work together can be challenging as you increase in size and you increase in numbers of them, but. But from your perch, your position, you know, what are some tips that you would give colleagues that would have to, you know, that are saying, we want to, uh, you know, recruit more stakeholders, get more stakeholders more aggressively involved? Yeah, we just did this uh, a couple of weeks ago. We we hosted a uh, broadband workshop where we invited various community and business leaders to one of our universities and we, you know, kind of gave them the overview of why broadband is important and what it means to them individually and also to their respective businesses and communities. And what we did was we um, uh, we leveraged another event that was occurring at the same time. So we invited them to a breakfast meeting from 7.30 to 8.30 prior to our big event. And then we gave away, and we got about you know, 40 business leaders to come, and then we gave away an iPad. So you had a one out of 40 chance of winning an iPad. So I think you have to have some incentive for them to come. So we had a, we had we had coffee, Danish, and a full breakfast with eggs and sausage and toast and French toast and all that orange juice and all that kind of stuff. And then we gave away an iPad, and that was probably what drove the attendance. So I think you have to. Uh, be creative in terms of how you, you know, get out there to make people aware of this particular issue. But uh, giving away the iPad and, you know, providing breakfast was a way of, uh, you know, getting people to come in and listen and find out more about this topic specifically. Mm-hmm. Now, as you as you move this forward, how 
do you expect to uh, keep them on board? Are you going to start a blog or, you know, I, I mean, maybe we're getting too much into the weeds, but, um, uh, you know, how do you, how do you keep people up to date and how do you, you know, keep them motivated? You know, once you got them together and you got that launch, right, you got all that excitement going, now you got to keep it moving. How, what, what are some ideas maybe in that realm? You know, there were, uh, I don't really have any at the moment, mm-hmm. Craig, but there were a number of people that wanted more information and wanted to uh, tell me about specific broadband issues in our state. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of followed up with them kind of individually so I could at least hear their concerns or, you know, things they may be working on that may make sense to partner with us on or at least be aware of. So a lot of it's just been more one-on-one, and I I don't have a structured approach of how we're kind of following back up with those various uh, entities. Mm -hmm. But that's a good good idea. How do we do it so it's a little more structured? Um, Mm -hmm. We've been kind of dealing with it on a one-off basis. Mm -hmm. Do folks get what's going on and what you're trying to do? Do you have a... Uh, have to work extra hard to get folks who are not technical to understand the value of this technology? Yes. Uh, Most, and I'm generalizing, you know, when you say the word broadband, it has so many different meanings to people. And so people really struggle with what does it mean to me and what does it mean to my community? So a lot of our business leaders state and local leaders or politicians, you know, it, they struggle with what is broadband and what does it mean to our community. So we kind of try to dumb it down so they understand what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we've been successful in dumbing it down. I don't know if that's good language to use, but um, that's helped us. So we start off with a basic definition so they understand what we're talking about you mm-hmm. know, in the first two or three of whatever we're presenting. Okay. So we don't get into the weeds. We get into how they can leverage it better for their community, how it's a driver for their community, how it fosters, you know, uh, job creation. And, um, you know, it also is good for their community from a school perspective because a lot of kids do not have all the coverage that they need. We still have areas in Delaware that are using dial-up. Whoa. We, We certainly do. Wow, that's that's pretty. So when you hear when you when you when you kind of incorporate some of the challenges that certain residents are facing, then they kind of get it. Mm-hmm. So it really comes down to um, you've got to be in some respects a master storyteller <laughs> to to kind of translate and make it real on you know all in one fell swoop. Exactly. Uh, Definitely, uh, definitely is, is is a challenge. So, what are the you know we talked a little bit about you know what the next milestones are. Maybe as a as a cap, you know we've got about uh, four minutes or so left. If you were to be uh, if you were to get to where you want to get to as far as all these infrastructure initiatives, what would that look like to the average person living in Delaware? Do you think? In other words, if you reached your like the main goals that you have for the technology, right? If I flip that around and say, okay, I'm a resident, uh, average consumer, or I'm a business looking at the state of Delaware, um, 
How do I see this manifested, at least from your perspective? It, it takes funding. You can't really do. You cannot really do anything until you really have the funding. You know, because mm -hmm. you know there's the infrastructure cost to build out the you know the the capability, and there's the ongoing cost of accessing the infrastructure. So, where I sit, I have to kind of figure out where's the funding going to come from. How can I work with some of the major carriers to? Uh, invest in areas specifically related to Delaware, you know, that have good pockets of either educational activity or economic development activity and kind of leverage their funding where they, you know, where they're planning to invest to build out where we think it makes sense to build out. Mm -hmm. So okay. it's hard for me to forecast, you know, what you're saying without knowing where that funding's going to come from. Right. And that becomes that becomes a serious uh, serious challenge. Now there are folks who would probably say, you know, with all the various things that need to be accounted for, you know, you've got uh, poverty, we've got elderly folks that you know need to keep surviving in spite of you know perceived threats to Medicare and so forth. Where does you know getting funding for this kind of initiative? Where does this rank in the in the priority of of all, you know all the other things on the table? We've got about maybe two minutes for that question. It's whew. it's it's high on the priority list, but we have some other priorities that are higher. I mean, I think all states are facing an economic challenge. You know, we have. Um, the Affordable Care Act that's going to be pieces of are going to be implemented at the latter part of this year and next year mm -hmm. that we're facing. Um, we've had an increase in cost here at our state for all kinds of different things, from gasoline to food for prisoners to the cost to operate our schools. Mm -hmm. We have a number of different educational um, needs here at the state, like all states. So it's it's in the discussion, but it all comes down to funding. I just I can't be any more direct. <laughs> it all comes down to funding. Right. Well, and I think that's you know that's the case everywhere, and it just becomes an issue then of you know how creative can you be? How can we you know maybe spread that kind of expense around? You know the whole thing of working with local investors and and maybe even creating a new category or a new type of investor. You know another. Google, but maybe on a smaller scale. Yeah, another exactly. couple of uh, you know a club of business folks who get involved. This has been uh, a you know very good conversation, and uh, I think it's probably one of my second maybe uh, state you know discussing statewide issues, and it's been very informative to hear what's going on in Delaware and to get your feedback and thoughts and so forth. So I definitely want to thank you for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. I enjoyed talking with you and your and audience. We, and we will definitely keep in touch, and uh, you know, and keep you know, keep us appraised of what's going on in in Delaware and and so forth. And maybe when I'm back in Philadelphia, I can find a few minutes to slip on the yeah. Amtrak, come on down for a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. All righty. Well, you have a great rest of the day, and again, thank you very much you for too. being with us on the show. Thank you, Craig. Have a great day. All righty. And to Thanks our audience. Very Thank you very much also for being with us. Um, we uh, I'll be in, in Iowa next uh, next week, so I'll probably be broadcasting live from 
Iowa. So y'all have a great day. We'll talk soon.